Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. There's a lot more people now than at the welcome. Some more people survived the time change. I want you all to know I've been a long opponent of the time change. But once we had kids, oh my gosh, it's so much worse with kids. They just, they, they don't care. They don't know the clocks. They don't change. There's no change. But the rest of the world changes and then you're left in the dust. So before, before I was a pastor, I actually worked for a few years for a member of the House of Representatives, uh, Congress. And one of the rules for staff is you're not supposed to lobby the member. You're not supposed to talk about legislation or anything. That's not your job. That's not why you're there. But when it came to the time change, I couldn't help it. Every chance I got, I'd bring it up and say, get rid of this, get rid of this, to the point that they finally had to tell me to stop talking about it. But you know what I say? Be the change you want to see in the world, right? So that has nothing to do with anything important, except that someday this time change will be gone and we can all hope for that. You can tell I really don't like it. (laughs) I'll get over it by, you know, two weeks from now. Um, But during this season, we're in the Gospel of Mark. And we're in a sermon series titled Truly Natural. And that comes from this quote from a theologian who said that Jesus's miracles are not supernatural miracles in a natural world. They're the only truly natural thing in a world that is unnatural and demonic. And the idea there is that when we see Jesus's healings, when we see the miracles he performs, it gives us a glimpse of what God hopes for for this world, how God is working and changing this world and how God is going to redeem it. So this week, I'll be reading from Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37, where Jesus heals a man who can't hear. And I invite you to hear God's word. Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephtatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this story of a healing. We thank you for the hope that it can give us, Lord. And we ask that through our reflection on your scriptures now, our hope would be deepened. Through our reflection on these scriptures, Lord, may you speak to us. As we turn to your word in scripture, may we hear what you would have us hear, that we could be your followers, that we could live lives based on the hope that the New Testament proclaims, and that we would share that hope with others, Lord. Through this teaching, through this reflection, Lord, through your scriptures and through your Holy Spirit, may we be your followers in this world. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So there's this old, ancient, 
creed, a profession of faith that I'm sure many of you, some of you at least are familiar with called the Apostles' Creed. It's this statement of what Christians have believed for well over a thousand years. It's been passed down generation to generation. And it's called the Apostles' Creed because at least some parts of it, it's believed, go all the way back to the very first followers of Jesus, the apostles. Now it changed a little bit, but then about 800 or so, seven or 800, we got it in the form that it's in now. And it's been passed down since to this point. What I love about it is it reminds us of what Christian faith is actually meant to be about. It, It reads like this. I believe in God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy ghost, born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the father almighty from thence. He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy ghost, the Holy Catholic church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. There's so much in the Apostles' Creed that we could dive into. But one of the pieces of it that stands out to me is that second to last line, the resurrection of the body. That's one of those Christian truths that I think gets lost in translation. It has that kind of churchy language feel about it, the resurrection of the body. But in my opinion, that's the core of Christian faith. I don't think it's put there at the end because it's less important. I think it's put there at the end because everything is building up to it. At the core of the message of the New Testament is the idea of the resurrection of the body. Jesus died and then he was raised. He was resurrected and death was overcome. But we learn in that from the witness of the the New Testament Jesus had a body after he was raised. The disciples were able to touch his body after it was raised. And there's some differences. I mean, he's able to dematerialize and travel through walls. My body can't do that. I don't know if yours can. If so, you might have some things to pray about. But it's also the same. He has scars from the crucifixion. There's something about Jesus' physical body that carried over when he was resurrected. So the earliest Christians, they saw Jesus resurrected. They touched his body and they passed along the news that because he was raised, we would be raised too. That we would be resurrected in the same way because that's what Jesus had promised. That's what Jesus had said throughout his ministry. And that hope deepened and it spread that there would be a bodily resurrection. And what that means to me, at least partly, there's many things it means, but one of the things it means is God cares about our physical bodies. God cares about your physical body. God created humans good. Our bodies were not supposed to fail. They weren't supposed to fall apart like they do. They weren't supposed to be broken like they are. But then we're told from the apostle Paul that when Adam committed the first sin, Death entered into the world and our bodies became frail. We started experiencing sickness and death. But God cares about physical bodies. I'm bringing all this up because this morning we're looking at a story of a physical healing. 
That's what this story is about, physical healing. And numerous times throughout this series, I've mentioned that when Jesus does his healings, there's usually something else that he's also healing than just the physical. There's a relationship dynamic he's healing. There's a community he's healing. There's more to his healings than that. But that doesn't mean that the physical part isn't important. And in this story, it's pretty much just a physical healing that we get. A deaf man is brought to Jesus. And Jesus, through this ritual I don't really understand, and honestly, he's kind of gross when he spits and touches his tongue. I mean, I want to hear, but come on, that's a little gross. Um, through this ritual, he restores this man's physical body. Physical healing, it's important. And it's something I think we should talk about, but we also have to recognize physical healing, it's not actually important for its own sake. And that's where I think many Christians have gone wrong. When you go back and look at Jesus's physical healings, in the New Testament, they were always temporary. The people he healed eventually died again. Their bodies failed still. Even Lazarus, who were told he raised from the dead, as far as we know, he's not still walking the world. So these physical healings, they were temporary. And they weren't the point in and of themselves. They weren't meant to be the message itself. But they were glimpses. I think the actual point of the physical healings that Jesus does is to give us a glimpse of the resurrection of the body. To help us to understand that God has power to restore our bodies, to fix our bodies, to give us a glimpse of what the bodily resurrection is going to look like. It's not a perfect glimpse. It's only temporary. But when you see those physical healings, you know that Jesus can resurrect the body also, that this is possible. It gives you that glimpse of it. And it's meant, I think, to deepen our hope in the resurrection of the body. So physical healings, they're not the point themselves. What they point to, what they serve as a sign of, a glimpse of, is the actual point. But I think far too many Christians, we've reversed it. Where physical healings become the important thing. And I think it's kind of sad because we have to talk about physical healings. Because I think it's one of the best gifts God has given us to have hope in the resurrection. And I think there's a question that I'm sure is on some people's minds right now, at least wondering what I think on this too, as I'm up here talking about physical healings. Do physical healings, do miraculous healings happen today? Is this something that is happening in today's world? I, I believe totally and completely that Jesus did his physical healings, but do they happen today? My answer is actually an unequivocal yes. I think they do. For a couple of reasons. One, I think they happen because I've seen some stuff I can't really explain. I myself have seen somebody who had a condition. It's not supposed to just be gone. And then a few days later, it's gone. There was some prayer in between. I don't think prayer causes it because I'm going to say later too, I don't think our words bind God. But I've seen it happen where you can't explain it, where doctors can't explain it. So I can't just deny that and act like I didn't see what I saw. The other reason is 
there are so many people who have seen something they can't really explain. This happens every time that I've ever preached on a physical healing. Somebody comes up to me with a story. Most of the times, it's multiple people come up to me with a story of something that they saw that they can't explain. And it's not just me. It's not just anecdotal. There's actually research done on this. There is a New Testament scholar named Craig Keener. He wrote a book called Miracles. It's two volumes. It's massive. And a good chunk of it is just him documenting healings that other people he's talked to saw. And he doesn't say every single one of these is true. But his point is, there's so many here that it's hard to think everybody is lying. There's so many here that it's hard to think that these can all be explained easily. So many people have stories of a time when there was a condition, there was some sort of health issue, and then it was healed. Doctors will tell you stories along those lines also. So do healings happen today? For me, I think unequivocally, yes, they do. But I do want to say, if you don't, that is okay. That's uh, okay. You're still a Christian. There's a whole sect in theology and Christian theology that doesn't believe that healings happen today. And that's okay. I would just say, look a little closer at the evidence and realize also that these healings can be a gift, not just for the healing they accomplish, but they can deepen our hope in the resurrection of the body. And because of that, I think we have to, as Christians, talk about healings. But we have to do it well. Because talking about healings, when you don't do it well, it can mislead people. So I have three suggestions here for how to talk about healings. The first of these, and this is either, either healings that you see in today's world, or you think you saw, or a story you heard, or healings that we see in the scriptures. I think it applies to either category. But the first of these is whenever you want to talk about a healing, do so humbly. How many of us can think back to the 70s and 80s? Maybe you were alive. Maybe you've watched a Netflix show or an HBO show about it. But to tell evangelists in those time periods with, you know, the TV shows, the gross fake tan, the weird suits, they would promise healing. They would say that they would heal. And if you called and you gave this amount, they would heal. We know now looking back on it, it was pretty much a scam. It was a grift. They were lying. And there was no humility whatsoever in that. That's not the way to talk about healings. And it's not just people who are grifting and people who are scamming. I think there's a lot of Christian communities that are earnestly trying to talk about healings, but they give false promise. They say things like, If you come here, you're going to be healed. Let us pray for you and you'll be healed. Or people start talking about how there's a big event going on and there's all these healings taking place. Here's the truth, though, with healings. We don't control God. Our prayers don't control God. We don't get to dictate just because we gather as a group and say some certain prayers when God is going to heal somebody and when God isn't. That's the Holy Spirit's decision. And the Holy Spirit is going to decide when to heal somebody. And only the Holy Spirit decides that. We're just witnesses to it. So that's where humility is so important. 
Because I think also, if we don't have humility, if we start telling people that we can conjure up a healing, you're giving false promise. And you could make somebody's grief that they've experienced through a tough diagnosis that much worse. Much worse than it actually needs to be with false hope. Because ultimately, the hope people need isn't that they're going to be healed. The hope they need is in the resurrection of the body. That death has actually been overcome. That's the deepest hope that this world needs. So first thing I'll say is talk about healings humbly. The second one, talk about them carefully. And what I mean by that is recognize. If you believe healings do happen, and like I said, I do recognize it is not the norm. It is the minority. And for every story of healing, however great it was, there's an infinite number of stories where there wasn't healing. And even those stories of healing are just temporary and eventually grief comes. And you could be sitting there talking about a healing, talking about something you're really excited about, and it's good, but recognize somebody's going to hear that who didn't receive that healing or whose loved one didn't receive that healing. And in those moments, it just hurts. So be careful there. I have a friend who is an absolute saint. I'm not a Catholic, obviously. I'm a Presbyterian. But, you know, if I were a Catholic, he'd be one of the saints. Okay? He is a medically trained surgeon. And he spends his career, he spent his entire career on a boat on the coast of Africa performing surgeries for people who wouldn't get surgeries otherwise. Raised his whole family on this boat. It's called the Mercy Ships. Some of you may have heard of this ministry. He's the chief surgeon for the Mercy Ships. And he has this story that he's told, and he's told this to me also. He was performing a surgery. He was getting ready to perform a surgery on a young boy who had a massive tumor that was life-threatening. They didn't know if this boy was going to survive. And this was a massive, visible tumor. So he was working with his family, having all of these meetings, getting ready for the surgery. And then one day, he, he's walking up to the house for yet another meeting on the surgery a couple days before it's going to happen. And as he's walking, he passed some kids, and he saw one that looked like it must have been a sibling of the child he was going to perform a surgery on. And he walked past him, didn't really think about it, went inside. The mother of the boy ran up to him, hugged him, and said, your prayers worked, your prayers worked, he's been healed. And he realized the boy he saw was the one with the tumor, and it was gone. In a matter of just a couple days, it was gone. There was a healing that took place there. And I have to say, he's somebody who is a very understated person. He's not somebody who exaggerates. I believe him entirely that this happened. He's also a medically trained professional. He would know if this tumor is just going to be able to go away. It was gone. So he tells this story, and a prominent televangelist, I'm not going to say who, approached him and said, will you come on my show and tell this story? I want people to hear this story of healing. And my friend said, yes, I will, but on one condition. There's another story I have to tell. Because while he was working with this boy, there was a young girl he was working with also, preparing for a surgery for her. She had a very similar condition as the boy. They did the same prayers for both of them. But the girl lost her life. The surgery didn't work. And he said, I can't tell this boy's story without also telling this girl's story because I can't do justice to what I actually saw during that time. 
the televangelist pretty much told him to take a hike. That's not the way to talk about healings, what this televangelist was trying to do. The way my friend wanted to approach it is the way to do it. Hold it in tension. Recognize that if a healing takes place, it's not the point itself. The point is the glimpse it gives us of the resurrection of the body. And this comes to my last point here in talking about healings. If you're going to talk about healings, always do it in a way that gives people hope in the resurrection to come. Always bring it back in hope in the resurrection to come. That's the whole point of these healings is to give us a glimpse of what it is we hope for, what it is we long for. Give us a glimpse of the truth that God has overcome death, that these bodies of ours that are so frail that fall apart, God is working to redeem them and to restore them. And here's another thing. We're talking about miraculous healings right now, but I don't actually think it has to be just miraculous healings that can give us hope in the resurrection to come. I'm a firm believer that though medicine is imperfect, God is still working through medicine, working through researchers, working through doctors to heal people, using the creativity that was given to them, guiding it through the power of the Holy Spirit so that people can have healings through medicine also. And that is just as much a sign of the resurrection to come to me as a miraculous healing is. All healing is a reminder that these frail bodies of ours can be restored. So the way we talk about all healings, I think, needs to change. The resurrection of the body is the point. That's what it all points to. That's the hope that we have, and that's the hope that we proclaim. So in this story, Jesus heals this man's ears. He heals his speech. He restores a broken body. And the point isn't just that man's broken body, but it's the fact that Jesus can restore all broken bodies and has promised that one day in the resurrection, we will be restored. May that hope guide us. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for the story of healing that we have here in the gospel of Mark. We thank you for the hope and the resurrection of the body that is proclaimed here in the New Testament. We thank you that we live in that hope now. We ask, Lord, that you deepen our hope. Help us, Lord, to trust that what you said is true and that every time that we see a healing of any kind, Lord, it would remind us of your power and your ability to overcome death. We thank you. We praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.
Yeah. 
shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no 